series of series. Actually, it's a series of series that we're doing all year, and we're calling this series uh, um, "Win Blank." How do you like that? Uh, we're call, we're calling this series that we're in. Uh, deliberately choosing a positive attitude and in today's message title we're calling right now staying positive in a negative world and uh, you know we're in a negative world and whether you realize it or not recognize it or not all of us have a tendency to be negative and so we have to deliberately choose to be positive if we're going to be positive. And so I'm excited about this because I'm here to tell you that this will change and rock your world if you'll really pay attention to what God's word has to say concerning having a positive attitude. First of all, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 28. It's our foundational scripture that we've been in in this series that we're in. And uh, it's found here, and Jesus said, and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, go make disciples. He delegated us this, his authority, and he says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, he goes on, to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so we've been talking about how, how you know, if we're going to make disciples, we have to become disciples. And it's a process. It's not something that happens overnight. And uh, I, I talk to a lot of people. I counsel a lot of people. I work with a lot of people on a continual basis. I interact with a lot of people. Uh, you know, if you're in this world, you ought to be interacting with some people, no doubt. And so in the process of interacting with people, you'll find some that are more uh, positive than negative or more negative than positive, but most of all that I see happening with a lot of people is that we all have some negative in our lives that we need to get rid of. And uh, there's definitely a a negative world out there that needs to be not allowed to influence our positive attitudes. And I'm not just saying, I'm not just talking about thinking positive. I'm talking about having an attitude that Jesus had. As a matter of fact, uh, Philippians chapter 2, it says this in verse 5. It says, have the same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example of selfless humility. Now, I I, I thought about this scripture, and there's a couple of thoughts. One I'll give you right now, a little later I'll give you the other. But right now, the first thought I want you to see is that this, it says to have that same attitude that Christ has in us. And uh, that word attitude, actually, it actually means mindset. Uh, but there's there's a couple of thoughts here that I want us to look at. Number one, the first thought is this, is that our attitudes are adjustable, that they, they can be uh, adjusted, that we don't have to keep the same attitude that we have today. If you have a stinking attitude, you know, it don't have to stay that way. It could change. Can I have an amen? And uh, And the second thought that I want us to see is that, is this, is that our attitude is an in, is a, is an outward reflection of an inward mindset. Uh, the word attitude here actually in some translations use the word mindset. Have the same mindset that was in Christ Jesus. Have the same a- attitude that was in Christ. So our, our a- outward attitude 
is just a reflection of an inward mindset. So we have to, and we talked about that last week, we have to renew our mind. We need to make sure that we're fighting to have the right attitude in our life. And it is a fight. And and some people don't realize that they're in a fight. There's a fight going on. And if you're not engaged in that fight, recognizing that you're in a fight, you're probably losing. No doubt you're losing. There's a fight out there. There's a fight right now that's going on. And there's this battle for your, for your attention out there. There's a battle for your heart. I wrote down some things. There's a battle for your, for your mouth. There's a battle for your health. There's a battle for your spiritual life. There's a battle for your worship. There's a battle for your thoughts. And there's a battle for your attitude. There's a battle going on. And if we're not winning that battle, then, that, then we're losing. And if we have the wrong attitude towards things or towards God or towards people or towards our situations and our circumstances, because we can be right in the middle of some bad situations, and, and if we get a wrong attitude, then it's going to produce wrong results in our life. So what I want to do is I want to talk about this. See, Paul, when he wrote this, have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. He was writing from prison. It wasn't the best of the best of situations. He was, he was in prison not because he had done something wicked or something bad. He was in prison for preaching the gospel, for wanting to help people. Yet he wrote this. And then, and you find in Philippians chapter 4 that we're going to break down today that I just want to quickly read to you and then I'm going to break it down. You find that he said these things in the middle of his hardship, in the middle of his bad circumstances or bad situations. Yet he, he, he had this positive attitude that he tells us all to have. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will, I will say rejoice. Isn't that crazy? He's in prison. And he's saying, listen guys, rejoice in the Lord always. Not when your circumstances are going, going well only, but always. And if you don't get it, he says, and again, I say rejoice. Get hold of this. How many of you have copped a bad attitude because of a circumstance or a situation or a person in our life? All the time. Thank you for, thank you for confessing that. Amen. And so we're, we're going we're gonna to look at that. So I'm getting ahead of myself. So it says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the peace of God will be with you. Let me break this down. We're talking about staying positive in the negative world. 
if we're going to do that, the first thing that we're going to need to do is we're going to have to rejoice and laugh more often. We, 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 we just get so serious in the middle of, of, of tragedy and circumstances and, and we get sorrowful and instead of rejoicing and it goes contrary to our mind, our reasoning. Our reasoning says get sad, get uh, kick into self-pity, uh, you know, throw a pity party. That's where we go. But you know what Paul said? He said rejoice in the Lord always. Let's read it, Philippians 4.4. 4. Let's look at it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's something that we're to do all the time. I love the Passion Translation. It says be cheerful and, and, uh, with joyous celebration in every season of life. Whatever season of life you're in, just be joyous. Be joyful. Celebrate. In the middle of of whatever you're going through. I know it may be hard, and I'm not making light of your situation, your circumstance. This week, I've had some some tough situations uh, that we walked through and and have walked through. I was heading to uh, Plano to go visit one of our church members that is basically you know, given uh, by the doctor a death sentence. And and on the way there, I get a text from a a friend's wife that texts me and says, uh, he's in the hospital. Your friend's, you know, know, she told me uh, her husband's in the hospital and he's not going to make it through the day. And I said, I'm on the way to Plano. As soon as I get back, I will be there. And uh, so I go to Plano. I spend time with our our church family. uh, family uh, prayed f- for her and then came back and uh, I make it to the hospital. I pray over him. I declared God's word over him, over them, said, Lord, I thank you that your power lives in him. Your power lives in us. The power to resurrection and raise him up or the power to take him home. Whatever way, whatever, now he's gone through a battle and he was, he was, had dwindled down to probably 80 pounds, if that. And uh, he was not coherent, he was not aware, uh, at least uh, physically he wasn't making uh, his, that he was, he, he didn't make that known that he was aware, and I walked out after praying with him and left, and uh, probably less than an hour later, uh, she texts me back and says he's gone home, and, uh, and so, you know, what, what do you do in that situation? Can I tell you what you do? In the middle of hardship, in the middle of circumstances, you rejoice. For, for a believer, we rejoice because we know he's in a much better place. And I know that we say that, but sometimes we don't realize that. Paul, the apostle, struggled with staying here on this earth. He says, it's better for me to be here and to stay here than to, to uh, for you. It's better for you that I stay here, but I really want to go home. I really want to go be with the Lord. And uh, by the way, our time here on this earth is very short. By the way, you'll be joining him and I will be joining him like day after tomorrow. I mean, it, it will be that quick. It's like a vapor, the Bible says, our time here. That's why we don't have time to be uh, getting all full of sorrow and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff and, and getting negative towards life or circumstances or situations. We need to be rejoicing. It's a fight. I know it's a fight. And it is a shift. It's something that we have to do. We have to rejoice in the middle of whatever we're going through. (laughs) 
it's 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 tough even telling you this because I know you're just in your mind you're you're fighting you're fighting receiving that thought but look at James chapter one let's let the word of God speak to us James chapter one verse two it says my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials count it all joy did you know that your worst day can be your best day and all in the same day even though you're going through some bad stuff, you can, you can have some great stuff going on. I look back at my life and some of the things that I walked through in life and some of the situations that I went through, it was, it was difficult. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't pray for it. I, wouldn't, I, I don't want it back in my life. But my worst day was my best day in the same day. There were some things that I've walked through that, uh, that I'd, I do not want to repeat. But I'm telling you, I found God and discovered God on a di- whole different level during that time. I sought him more intently and more uh, focused than any other time. And God revealed himself more th- than any other time during that time and has helped me in my walk even today because of some of those tragic times in my life. And let me tell you, it's because not because I kicked over into the negative, but in the positive. I remember feeling guilty after my little brother took his life. Because I maintained a joy in my life. I had a peace that passed under all understanding. Had, and I remember I was a young Christian. Is like, Lord, I, I felt guilty because I didn't, I, I didn't experience some of the, the, the sadness and, the, and the, the, the grief that I had in the past. Before Christ. And it's like I felt guilty and God showed me this early on. He says the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace patience kindness goodness you know and it goes on and tells us self-control and so it's part of the fruits of the spirit when you're walking in spirit you can have joy in the middle of the worst of situations you can have peace in the worst of any situation that you're going through in life and so that's why james tells us count it all joy he says why knowing that the testing of your faith works patience it says uh, it produces patience, and then it goes on to say this: "But let patience have its perfect work, that it may be that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing." Anytime we obey the word and operate in the word and practice the word of God, it just produces in our life. And uh, Philippians chapter three, verse one says, "Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens." Rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your faith. Rejoicing is a safeguard to our faith. It protects our life. It protects our faith. When we get into a negative mindset, what it is, is it's doubt and unbelief tries to sneak in and take over our lives, take over our faith. But when we are rejoicing, it keeps us in faith. So we have to rejoice. We have to celebrate. We need to laugh more often. <laughs> when we were, I was just thinking when I was uh, in, in Plano praying for Miss Cherry and we were leaving, was hugging her. And, and excuse me, do we have children in here? Yeah. Okay. Um, I can't tell the story. All right. Second Corinthians. <laughs> 
2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is, it's not PG, so okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3, it says, All praises belong to God the Father. I know you're wondering, what is it that he was saying? Come and see me after service. The point is, is that Miss Cherry laughed. Made her laugh in the middle of it. Okay, yeah, it wasn't PG, so anyway. All praises belong to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the Father of tender mercies and the God of endless comfort. So all praises are to him. We, we, we praise him in the middle of whatever we're going through. We need, to, we need to rejoice more. We need to laugh more. We just need to do that, especially when you're in the middle of whatever. That will help you stay positive. Your marriage is having problems. Well, praise God. God's working. I know that God's doing something, even though I can't see it. I know that he's always doing so much more than what I think he is. I thank you, that he, Lord, that you're working in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. I thank you that you perfect those things that concern us, Lord. I'm rejoicing. I thank you that we are the head and not the tail. Somehow you're going to cause us to rise up and be the head in this situation. And the diligent bear rule, Lord, I thank you that we're going to come out uh, on top. Amen. You start rejoicing in, in, the, in the Lord and rejoicing in his word. And you'll see, uh, uh, you'll see things change for you. Notice uh, uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. It says this, Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, when you rejoice and you're full of joy, the joy of the Lord, there's a strength that comes with it. And you're able to press on. By the way, you're not, you quit trying to go through life in your own strength and your own abilities. The Bible says that we're to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. He's the one that strengthens us. Okay, you got it? I got I to gotta speed through this. Uh, secondly, the second thing is we need to practice flipping our focus. Flick. Flipping our focus. Too often we get focused on the problem instead of flipping it and getting it on God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 through 7, it says, let your gentleness. That word gentleness also means unselfishness. Let your unselfishness be made known to men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard or will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Our life goes the direction of our thoughts and our prayers. And so we need to make sure that we are changing our focus. Whatever our focus is in, our, our life goes in the direction of our focus. And so if we're focusing on the negative, guess where our life's going to go? If you get negative, if you, if you go negative, you get negative. So you cannot focus on the negative situations. You've got to focus on the promise of God. We've got we to gotta focus on God's promises. You know, I told you last week, if you were here, if you weren't, let me give you this statistic, that on average, we have, uh, have 60,000 thoughts per day. And out of those thoughts, 80% of them are negative. And so we've got to work on this. We've got to be proactive. We've got we to change things up. We've got to refocus. We've got to flip our focus. 
Because if, if we don't, then we're going to automatically default towards the negative. When we see a situation, we see a person, guess where our thoughts go? Negative. We got to flip it. Say, oh, no, I'm not going to think that. Flip that. Flip that focus. You know, there's something good about that person. I don't know why, but I know there is. <laughs> I know they're acting like a jerk, but I know there's something good in there. Amen? Amen. And so uh, we, we just need to flip it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says, Since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, we, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must focus on Jesus, the source and the goal of our faith. He saw the joy ahead of him, so he endured death on the cross and ignored the disgrace it brought brought him. Now he hold he holds the honored position, the one next to God, the Father on uh, on the heavenly throne. Think about Jesus who endured opposition from sinners so that you don't become tired and give up. So we got to flip it. Flip our focus. Thirdly, the third thing I want to share with you is we must limit media, negative media, and negative entertainment. Because what it's doing is it's programming us. It it, it reprograms us to think negative. And this world is all negative. And so we need to limit, I know you can't do away with it altogether, but we, we've got to limit it, its influence in our life. And uh, Philippians says, finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, verse 8, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, fix your thoughts on these things. Then the peace of God that passes all understanding will come and guard your, your mind and your heart. Amen? So we, we've got to watch it. I, I, my mother, I, I don't, personally, I don't have a Facebook. I know that Facebook's great and it's a great tool that's used in, in many ways, but I also know that it's also used for a tool for the enemy. And there's a lot of negative that goes on in Facebook. And so I don't personally have one. So I, I don't roam Facebook. I don't look at uh, a bunch of uh, people's negative thoughts and that type of thing. And maybe if that's you and I don't know, change it, flip it, change it today. Amen. And so don't have anything against Facebook. I'm not saying anything negative about it because I'm positive. <laughs> I'm positive that there's some negative in it. But... Uh, so, but my mother, you know, she, she frequents Facebook, and so all the time she'll, son, son, I want you to see this on Facebook. And I tell her all the time, mother, if I wanted Facebook, I would have Facebook. And so I don't want to see it. But it's good. I said, that's okay. I'm glad it is. And so, and so I, I just don't do it. And, uh, and I, I, as a church, we post things on there. We post, you know, scripture. We post some advanced things that are going on. But, uh, and we use it as a tool because I know it's a, it's a medium that God can use. Amen? Amen. And so we just got to watch it. I, I was uh, reading something in a book just recently. And there's a man that lived by the side of the road, road and he sold hot dogs. And, uh, and he was hard of hearing. And uh, he... So, so he had no radio. He he had trouble seeing. So he had, he read no newspapers. 
but he sold good hot dogs. And so what he did is he put signs out on the highway advertising them and he stood on the side of the road and he, you know, he'd call out hot dogs. He'd cry out hot dogs and, and his business began to grow and grow and increase and increase. And so he increased his orders and he, you know, he just, uh, bought a bigger stove so that he could produce more. And, and then after his son had gotten out of college, his son came, uh, to come and help him. And when he got there, uh, the, uh, society was in a recession and he says he says uh dad did didn't you hear of course he didn't listen to a radio but didn't you hear our country's in a recession and uh he says no i didn't know that uh didn't you read the newspapers uh our, our country's in a, in a recession he says no I, I i don't read newspapers i have a hard time seeing and so the dad thought, well, he's a college graduate. He, he listens to the news, so he must, he, must, he must know. And so he quit putting his signs out, and, and, uh, and, and immediately his, uh, his uh, business dropped. And he says, wow, he was right. And, and the point of the matter is this, is that sometimes... Uh, and I tell my mother this too. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but media can influence our life through other people. Didn't you hear? Well, I, I can tell you what I did hear. The word of God. I know what God's word says. Amen. The, there's always going to be bad reports that's going to keep us, in, uh, keep us from entering into the promised land. So let me let me give you a couple. Uh, let me give you one more thought, real quick. Where are we? Step. Let me give you step. Uh, the fourth thing that I want to share with you: you must surround yourself with people who are encouragers. It's a must. He who walks with the wise is wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Don't keep bad company because bad company can ruin good morals. Philippians four nine says this. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Keep putting into practice the, and the God of peace will, will be with you. You know, we need people of faith around us. People that are walking in the peace of God that passes all understanding. It'll rub off on us. It'll do that. That's why I'm telling you, as a church, small groups are not an option. They are a priority. They are essential. We need to be engaged in other people's lives. We need each other desperately. We need each other. Uh, I was thinking about you, Adam. You know, Adam got baptized this morning. And uh, after he gave his life to the Lord, he says, the craziest thing has happened. He says, I've had all kinds of opportunities to, to he's a musician, to, to uh, I've had all kinds of gigs happen on the weekend and for Sunday to take me out of church. And he says, it's just the craziest thing. And, and I'm going to tell you, there's a world out there that will try to pull you away, but I'm so glad that you have said, hey, I'm going to be here. I'm going I'm to surround myself with people that are encouragers, that are going to encourage me in the Lord so that I can pursue God because God is good. All the time he's good. Love that song, uh, Lynn, that you sung. God is faithful. He is a faithful God. Uh, he's just faithful. Thank God. 
So let me, let me just close with uh, a scripture here, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, discover creative ways, out of the Passion Translation, discover uh, creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion. Doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. Because we need each other. In fact, we should come together, come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day of his drawing, that day, that day that Jesus will be coming back. We need each other. It's so important, so vitally important that we connect. I, as we continue to grow, I know, I know we got people on vacation, that type of stuff, and that's, that's understandable. But, you know, as a church, we're growing. We, we need people to rise up and, and to lead groups. We need people to make sure that we're all in a group, have a place where everybody can connect so that we're doing life and ministry together so that we can encourage each other in a discouraging world. And as we do... I'm going to tell you, my life wouldn't be where it is without people in, 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 around me that are encouraging me all the time. And I can think of several people just quickly off the top of my head. I know that Bobby and Vicky are some of those that have been there for me for 20 some odd years now. Rusty, you're an encourager to me in the word. Always encouraging me in the word. And just just people around me that we're able to do this. Guys, don't let people pull you. Don't let things pull you. Don't let the enemy pull you away from from being connected on a on a weekly basis. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank.